أعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم Lesson number 119 Surah Hud ayah number 50 to 83 In the previous ayat we learned about the story of Nuh alayhi salam and in that was a very very important lesson which was summarized very beautifully in the last ayah that we learned and what was that lesson that be patient the final outcome is for who for those who fear Allah meaning ultimately they are the ones who will be successful and in this was great comfort for the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam because in makkah you know the opposition that he was facing from his people so through the story of nuh alaihi salam he was comforted that it doesn't matter if only a few people have responded think about nuh alaihi salam after so many years only qalil only a few people believed in him but ultimately it was him and his followers who were successful. Now today inshallah we're going to learn about more prophets of Allah in which a similar message is conveyed. A similar lesson is taught. That even if a person is of the minority, meaning he is alone or he has very few supporters, but if he is on the haq, on the truth, then insha'Allah, Allah's help will be with him. Allah will support him. He will not abandon him. And in this was a great lesson for the Prophet ﷺ, for his companions, and also for all of us today. Because whenever a person is doing something, and he doesn't gain the support of others, what happens? He begins to feel weak. He is disheartened. And he begins to doubt himself. He wants to give up. But these ayat, these stories of the past, what do they do? They encourage us. That doesn't matter if the whole world is against you. If you know you are upon the truth, then stay firm. وَإِلَىٰ عَادٍ أَخَاهُمْ هُودًا And to the people of Ad, their brother Hud. Meaning Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala sent their brother Hud salam as a messenger. The people of Ad were the descendants of the survivors of the great flood that came at the time of Nuh a.s. And these people, people of Ad, they used to live in Yemen, in a place that was known as Ahqaf. There is an entire surah of the Qur'an, Surah Al-Ahqaf. And in that also we will learn about the people of Ad. Now the people of Ad, they were physically very strong, very mighty. And at the same time, they were great architects and engineers also. They had huge buildings that were very solid you know, in their structure. And in fact, this is mentioned in the Qur'an in Surah Al-Fajr, Ayah 6 to 8. Allah says, أَلَمْ تَرَ كَيْفَ فَعَلَ رَبُّكَ بِعَاد إِرَامَ ذَاتِ الْعِمَادِ The people of Ad, Iram, who were also known as Iram, who had lofty pillars. Meaning their buildings, their structures were such that they had lofty pillars. الَّتِي لَمْ يُخْلَقْ مِثْلُهَا فِي الْبِلَادِ The likes of which have never been created in the land. Meaning, these people, people of Ad, were such that no comparison in their physical stature. And what they built, what they constructed also, there has been nothing like that on the earth, ever. Look at what the people of Fir'aun made. Look at the pyramids that they made. Till today, we are baffled by how they made those pyramids. What kind of tools they used, what kind of crafts they used in order to make such solid structures. Even today, we cannot figure that out. But about the people of Ad, Allah says, أَلَّتِي لَمْ يُخْلَقْ مِثْلُهَا فِي الْبِلَادِ They themselves in their physical body and stature, incomparable. And secondly, what they made was also incomparable. 
Now, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala sent to them a prophet by the name of Hud alayhi salam. And Allah calls him Akhahum. He was their brother. What does it mean by this? He was their brother. That he was one of them. He was from their nation, from their community. That's where he was born. That's where he was raised. He was one of that group of people. He was one of them. Just like the Prophet ﷺ. Was he an outsider being sent to Mecca? Or was he one of the people of Mecca? He was a Meccan. He was from the tribe of Quraysh. People had seen him from his childhood. He was not unfamiliar. Now, what do we see here? That Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala sent prophets to their nations and most of the time the prophet was from the nation. Meaning he was not an outsider, an immigrant, rather he was from the nation. Why? Is there any wisdom behind that? You see, when a person, he is from a certain people, he knows his people. He knows his community. He knows their culture, he knows their language, he knows their strengths, he knows their weaknesses. He knows what they will understand and what they will not understand. Do you agree with me? So for example, many times you will feel that you can connect better with your own community as opposed to you know, someone else. Why? Because you know your community. You know what kind of language they understand how they can be convinced to do something, and an outsider doesn't really know that. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, He sent messengers from their own nations. Why? Because they were familiar with their people, and it's very important to know the people whom you are talking to. You know, it's like if you want to teach children something, you cannot teach them the way you would teach an adult. Why? Because children think differently than adults do. They operate differently. So in order to teach children, you have to know how children think. You have to know what will work with them. You cannot apply other rules on them. So likewise, if a person wants to do da'wah, if he wants to call people to Allah, if he wants to do their islah, if he wants to correct them, reform them, then what is the first step? What is the first step? Get to know your audience. Get to know whom you're dealing with. What they need to know. What needs to be corrected. What they need to learn. Otherwise, you might be talking to them and they might not be able to relate with you. They might not be able to understand what you're telling them. What you're saying might be very beautiful, but it's meaningless to them. Because it doesn't have anything to do with their lives. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala sent to Nations, prophets from who? From among themselves. وَإِلَىٰ عَادٍ أَخَاهُمْ هُودًا قَالَ He said, يَا قَوْمِ O my people, أُعْبُدُ اللَّهَ Worship Allah. مَا لَكُمْ مِنْ إِلَٰهٍ غَيْرُهُ You do not have any God but Him. Meaning, your only God is who? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. The only one who deserves your worship is who? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So the Prophet of Allah, he came to remind people of the purpose of their existence, why they were made. You were made for the worship of Allah, you have forgotten this. So the Prophet of Allah came to remind them. And he also clarified that in antum you are not illa except muftarun. Muftarun is from iftira. What does iftira mean? Yaftari, to invent 
to make up, to fabricate. So muftarun are those who make up, those who fabricate things. So he's telling them, you are only inventing things. What does he mean by that? That you're inventing things when you're saying that Allah has a partner. When you associate partners with Allah, when you dedicate your worship to other than Allah, what are you doing? You're fabricating lies. You're inventing things up. You're saying things about religion, about Allah that are incorrect. In antum illa muftarun. So we see over here that on the one hand, Hud salam, he told them what to do. And what was that? Worshipping Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And on the other hand, he also told them that what you're doing is wrong. Meaning that this shirk that you're committing is a fabrication. It's a lie. It is not true. So he told them what was right and he also told them what was wrong. And this is very important. If you want to know what is good, what is the right thing to do, you also need to know what is bad, what you must avoid. Because if you only know what good is and you don't know what evil is, then how are you going to avoid evil? So a complete understanding, a whole understanding is what? That which comprises of recognizing the right and also recognizing the wrong. Now many times it happens that we want to shelter, for example, children. Just shelter them. That they should only know what is right. They should only know what is good. And they should not interact with the rest of the world. So what happens? They have no idea about what evil is. They have no idea about what wrong is. So what happens as they grow up and all of a sudden they come to know, oh, this is also out there and that is also out there. And they're unleashed into the world. Then what happens? They lose themselves. So while we really want to shelter and protect our people, whether it is adults or children or whoever, it is necessary that we are also aware of what is wrong. Why? So that we know it is wrong. We understand it is wrong. We believe it to be wrong. And then we can avoid it. You know, the other day, my son, he saw in the washroom a mouthwash that said zero. So now he's reading. So he said, Mom, why does it say zero? I said, because it has zero alcohol. He's like, what's alcohol? I'm like, Muslims are not supposed to have alcohol. He's like, what is it? And I'm like, what am I supposed to tell a four-year-old child about what alcohol is? But I explained to him. I said, alcohol is a kind of a drink which is not halal for us. Why? Because if a person has it, you know, a little too much of it, then they kind of lose their mind and they can't walk straight. And if they're driving, then they don't know where they're going and they might end up in an accident. And alhamdulillah, he understood. He understood that, okay, it might be very tasty. People might have it. They might enjoy it. However, it's not really good for me. You know, we tell children, oh, it is halal. This is haram. Haram, haram, haram. Halal, halal, halal. They don't know what it means. Logically explain to them why something is right and why something is wrong. We as Muslims are supposed to do certain things and we are supposed to refrain from certain others. I mean, religion has become a part of our culture, right? And walillahi alhamd, it's a good thing that it's become a norm for us. But that doesn't mean that we do things without thinking. Without understanding. Yes, we eat halal. Why? We don't eat haram. Why? We wear certain clothes. Why? We perform the salah. Why? 
for those of us who go to public school, we get questioned often, not just hijab, for everything. Why is it that you guys aren't going to dances? Or why is it that you guys aren't doing alcohol? Or whatever, whatever. And Allah has always given us the hikmah. And the hikmah is so beautiful. And for us, I think it's very important that we know it so that we can appreciate it ourselves. And then we can also tell non-Muslims and other Muslims why they should do it. Yeah. Because otherwise people, they cannot understand. It doesn't make any sense to them. They look at you strange and they feel pity for you. So if you cannot defend yourself because you don't know why you're doing something, then how are you meant to do da'wah? Um, yesterday, me and my sister, we were um, talking, and, and she's like, who do you love the most? So I was like, Allah. And then she's like, do you love Him more than me? And I was like, yeah. And then she's like, or she's, and she got upset and stuff. And I was like, oh, well, you have to love Him more than everyone too. And she's like, why? So I explained to her how... Um, how Allah has given us everything that we have, even like the ability to speak. And she understood that. And she's like, I love Allah too. Alhamdulillah. Otherwise, I mean, this is what we hear. I love Allah. You love Allah. Everybody loves Allah. It's just a, just a lip service. It's a politically correct statement. Because if you were to say something otherwise, I mean, you wouldn't be considered Muslim. So we say it, but we don't know why we say it. We don't even understand it. So it's very important to use our mind to be able to tell between right and wrong. So Hud he made it clear to them, in Antum illa muftarun, you are only inventing things. Ya qawmi, O my people, la as'alukum alayhi ajra, I do not ask from you, meaning I do not demand from you, alayhi on it, ajra, any reward, meaning for the service that I am performing over here, I'm conveying the message to you, this effort of mine, this work of mine, this sacrifice of mine, I don't expect anything from you in return. In ajri, not my reward, illa, except ala ladhi fatarani, on the one who created me. Meaning, I only expect reward from the one who has sent me, the one who has made me. I don't expect anything from you. You know, it's like if a person is doing a government job, what is he doing? He's offering services to the people. He's working for the people. But does he charge them? Like for example, if you go to get your health card made, for instance, do you have to pay a fees over there? If you go to the doctors, do you have to pay a fees over there? No. But what happens? Who pays them for their work? The government pays them, right? So likewise, when a person is working for the sake of Allah... He can't be expecting reward from people. Who does he expect reward from? The one who sent him. And over here, Hud says, Alladhi fatarani, the one who made me, the one who created me, the one who gave me everything I have. Only he can give me reward. You can't give me anyway. Afala ta'akilun. Do you not then understand? Meaning, do you not understand my message? Do you not see my sincerity? Do you not see that I am conveying entirely for your benefit? وَيَا قَوْمِ And O oh my people, اِسْتَغْفِرُوا رَبَّكُمْ Seek forgiveness from your Lord. For what? For what has been done in the past. Yes, shirk has been committed. Yes, many evils have been done. You know, many wrong things have been done. Whatever has happened has happened. It's the past. So what should you do? اِسْتَغْفِرُوا رَبَّكُمْ Seek forgiveness from your Lord. And remember that istighfar is what? To seek forgiveness from Allah, to seek maghfirah, and maghfirah is satru them wa tajawazu anhu. It is to conceal the sin and turn away from it. Meaning not hold the person accountable. Not ask them, not punish them for it. 
So when we ask Allah for forgiveness, what are we asking for? That Ya Allah, whatever sins I've committed, please cover them. Just hide them. Don't let them be exposed. I was ignorant, I was wrong, I was crazy, whatever. I made those mistakes, please hide it. Please don't let it come even in front of me. I don't want to see it. I don't want anyone to see it. I don't want you to question me about it. Just cover it, please. This is what istighfar is. And also secondly, what tajawuz anhu, that Ya Allah, don't question me about it. Please forgive me. Overlook. So istaghfiru rabbakum. Mistakes have happened? Doesn't matter. Apologize. Say sorry to your Lord. ثُمَّ تُوبُوا إِلَيْهِ Then turn in repentance to Him. Tawbah after istighfar, what does that mean? Istighfar is for the past. And tawbah is what? Your resolution, your resolve with regards to the future. That I'm not going to make the same mistake again. I'm going to change now. You know, this is history. I'm not going to repeat this again. I'm going to change my ways. So yes, shirk was done in the past. Seek forgiveness. Now, turn from shirk to tawheed. From zulm to adl. From sin, from disobedience to obedience. اِسْتَغْفِرُوا رَبَّكُمْ ثُمَّ تُوبُوا إِلَيْهِ And if you change your ways like this, you're not going to lose anything. In fact, you're going to gain. Because what is one of the biggest fears that people have when they think about doing tawbah, when they think about leaving you know, their old established ways and changing their ways? What's the fear that they have? What's going to happen? What am I going to do? Like for example, if a person makes up their mind, I'm not going to you know, watch these kind of programs anymore. For example, why? Because there's too much haram in it. Not that they're going to stop watching anything completely, but just in general, they say that that's it. I'm not going to watch this particular show because it takes me away from dhikr of Allah. It makes me think about wrong things. Now, what's the fear? How am I going to fill my evenings? What am I going to do on the weekends? This is what I generally do. What am I going to do otherwise? Anything that you give up, anything that you leave, there is always this hesitation. Okay, if I leave it, what am I going to do then? And remember that when this entire society is doing shirk, remember it has an impact, their economy is based on it basically, their political system is based on it, their social relationships, everything is based on it, it's the foundation of their entire society. And if they have to leave that shirk, that meant a whole lot of change in their whole community, in every aspect of their life. So they had a lot of fears. But Hud said, Don't worry. You turn to Allah, He will send the sky on you. Midrara. In showers. Midrar is from the root letters, Dal Ra Ra. And Midra is. Like for example, rain, when it falls abundantly, a lot of rain, a lot of rain. And this means that it comes frequently, so rainfall is frequent. And when the rain does come, it's not just a little bit, but it's a lot, ample. Ain midrar. Ain midrar. What do you think Ain midrar is? Ain, I, midrar. A very weepy, teary eye. Meaning, you know like someone who just breaks down into tears very quickly, very easily. Like every day you'll see them crying at least once or twice. They hear something, they see something, something happens on the other side of the world and what happens? 
they start crying. Ain midrar. So Yursil Sama alaykum midrara, he will send abundant rain on you, meaning for you, on your lands. So as a result, what will happen? Your needs will be fulfilled. You will have ample provision. Because remember, if you have rainfall, you have water, you have agriculture, you have produce, you have food, you have business, you have animals, you have milk, you have so much. Trade, everything results from it. And if there's drought, and we have seen recently how drought has affected certain parts of the world, what has been the result? Everything has been shattered. From people to their homes, their livelihoods, their businesses, the entire economy. So يُوسِلِ السَّمَاءَ عَلَيْكُمْ مِدْرَارًا Allah will send for you abundant rain. وَيَزِّدْكُمْ And He will increase you. قُوَّةً Strength. إِلَىٰ قُوَّتِكُمْ To your strength. Meaning, you have some quwwah right now. But you know what? If you turn to Allah, Allah will give you more quwwah. He will give you additional quwwah. What is quwwah? Strength, power. Now, what kind of strength do people generally possess? Or what types of strengths are there? First of all, physical. When a person is physically able. Remember that the people of Ad, they were physically very strong, very mighty. Very strong built. Okay. After physical strength, what other strengths? Mental strength. When people have knowledge, when they have experience, when they have skills, when they have craftsmen, that is all what? Mental strength. Okay. What else? Economical. Financial. When they have money. When they have resources. Because you can be very smart in your head, and you can be very able in your body, but if you don't have money... What are you going to do with your brain and your body? What are you going to do? Emotional strength, because of which a person is stable, he has healthy relationships, because of which he's happy, he can control himself in times of difficulty, in stressful times, he can keep himself together. Now, the people of Ad, they possessed a lot of strength. Physical, mental, you can say even emotional. They possessed a lot of strength. But there was one type of strength that was missing. And what was that? Spiritual. Spiritual strength was missing. Now tell me, if a person is physically strong, mentally strong, financially strong, is it necessary that he'll be successful in his life? No. It's not necessary. There are many people who have everything. They've got the money, they've got the power, They're strong and fit in their body, very muscular body. But at the same time, they're bipolar. And these are real examples. They're bipolar. Their relationships are not stable at all. One divorce after another, one girlfriend, boyfriend after another. And then drinking, and then drugs, and an overdose. And these are people who are apparently quite successful. I mean, people with great high positions, even in in our politics. Now, when they do such things, what does it show? They're not together. Which is why sometimes they will lash out on someone at another time. They will break their things. They're not together. It impedes their success. They cannot really go far in life. This is why these days you'll find this a lot when you read up on very successful people, like for example, CEOs of big, big companies. 
they are advised to meditate they are advised to meditate why so that they can hold themselves together because as ceos they have very stressful lives why meditate to develop spiritual strength because that is what will keep you together that is what will help you go far in life now think about it if a person lacks the spiritual strength and as a result regardless of the potential that he has he cannot go far in life is that a loss it's a big loss you have the money you have the education you have the opportunities but just because of your spiritual weakness the weakness within you you can't do much in life now let's say there is a person who meditates who gives importance to his faith spiritually strong but not the right kind of faith so okay they are quite successful in this worldly life but they're not successful in the akhirah so what use was that physical body very able body that is just going to rot under the earth what use was all that money all those dollars that they accumulated that they managed to get their hands on but when they die that money is just dispersed in people it doesn't bring them any reward in the afterlife so the people of ad are told by their prophet that if you turn to allah yazidkum quwwatan ila quwwatikum he will give you added strength you'll be more successful in this life and also in the akhirah what a beautiful lesson what an important thing for every believer to remember that when your faith becomes stronger your performance in your worldly roles will also become better you will also go far in life you will also become successful in the worldly sense look at the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam was he spiritually strong of course was he successful in worldly terms oh yeah of course he was look at the companions spiritually strong and also successful in their worldly life so wayazidkum quwwatan ila quwwatikum and he warned them wala tatawallaw mujrimin and do not turn away as criminals don't turn away because those who do turn away who are they mujrimin criminals how because when a person is physically strong he has the money but spiritually he's dead then what is he like how is he going to deal with people is he going to bring benefit to them or is he going to harm them more what is it that differentiates us from wild animals it's our aql it's our reason it's our emotions it's our faith but if that is missing in our lives then our body how is that different from the body of an animal untamed wild what's the difference here is a person who's fulfilling his desires and there is an animal that's fulfilling its desires So wala tatawallaw mujrimin don't turn away as criminals respond to the call of the messenger and see what all you have to gain and this is true that a person has to give up something but what he gives up is always very minor compared to what he has to gain later qalu they said yahud ohud ma ji'tana bi bayyinatin you have not brought us any bayyinah you have not brought us any clear evidence really 
Hud alayhi salam didn't show them any bayina? I mean what he was saying itself was bayina. Itself was a clear proof, was a clear evidence. Such logical reasoning, such profound messages, you know, clarified in such beautiful clear terms. What more did they need? They said, oh, you haven't really brought us a clear proof. And, وَمَا نَحْنُ And we are not going to be Be in the least, meaning at all. And when it comes with ma, with not, meaning we're not at all going to, tariki. This is actually tarikina. But the noon is dropped because the word is connected with alihatina, in the sense that there is a grammatical relationship between the two. Now, tarikin is the plural of tarik. Who is tarik? One who leaves. Not tariq. Remember that. So, وَمَا نَحْنُ بِتَارِكِي آلِهَتِنَا What are they saying? We are not going to leave our gods. We are never, ever going to abandon the worship of our gods. عَنْ Because of what you say. Meaning just because you're telling us that we shouldn't worship our idols, our gods, we're not going to leave them. Who are you? Who are you to tell us? And they said, وَمَا نَحْنُ لَكَ بِمُؤْمِنِينَ And we are not at all believers in you. Meaning we're not going to believe in you at all. What does this show? This shows how deeply this nation was immersed in shirk. How strongly they believed in their idolatry. That they weren't willing to give it up at all. Despite the clear message that Hud gave them, and the warning as well as the good news that he conveyed them, still they didn't want to leave their shirk. Why? Because idolatrous nations, people who do shirk, they depend on their deities, on their false gods, for what? For protection, for provision, for blessing. And they always have this fear that if we leave them, what's going to happen? If we leave them, they will be upset with us. If we leave them, then we will be abandoned. There will be no one to protect us, to bless us, to provide for us. This is how they think. So even though the message is very clear, they're not willing to give up their gods. You might not be able to understand this fully. Let me give you another example that you might be able to relate with. These days, what do we strongly believe? That only if you have a job, then you'll have money. Isn't that what we believe? Why? Because that's what we see. People who have a job, they have money. And if you have a better education, the better job you will have. And the more stable income you will have. There is a connection between income, job, and education. If you take the education out, you can't have the job, you can't have the money. If you take the job out, you can have the best of education, but you can't have the money. Because this is how we see the whole world is functioning. But there are people today who say that, you know what, if you're going to spend thirty, forty thousand dollars $40,000 and more on your education, is it really worth it? They actually strongly oppose university education. They say it's not worth it. Just go get a certification from here and there and go into the workforce immediately. They think otherwise. But very few people will listen to them because it's a new thing. So what they're trying to say is that your income does not depend on the number of years you have spent in school. It doesn't depend on that. Your income depends on what? Your experience and your 
willingness to learn and improve and work hard, this is what your income will depend on. And there are examples of such people out there. People who didn't really go to school, who were school dropouts, but they became very successful. So they take their example. They say, see, look, this guy never went to school. He was a school dropout. He never completed university. But look at what he made and look at how successful he is. That the products that he started, they're in every household today. So this is a new thing. But is everybody comfortable with this idea? Not really. So just like that, idolatrous people, when they're told, you leave your idols, they don't really have any effect on your life. In fact, they're harmful for you. Are the people willing to give them up? No way. They're like, absolutely not. So even though the truth was clear, they said, we're not going to believe in you. They said, إِنَّقُولُ We do not say, إِلَّا except. Meaning the only thing we say about you is that, اِعْتَرَاكَ He has possessed you with evil. اِعْتَرَاكَ is from the root letters, عَيْنِ رَوَاو And it is basically to intend for something and overpower it. Overtake it. So we think that اِعْتَرَاكَ بَعْضُ آلِهَتِنَا Some of our gods have intended بِسُوءٍ With evil. Some of our gods have intended evil for you. You must have shown some kind of disrespect to our idols, which is why they have intended evil for you, which is why you are saying these kind of things today. So superstitious these people were, that they immediately said that, you know what, you've gone crazy, your mind is not working properly, there's something wrong gone in your head, Why? Because our idols, they want something evil for you. Because you must have disrespected them. They're angry with you. And many times it happens that we also become very superstitious. Instead of thinking logically, immediately we think, oh, magic. You know, I have a headache. Magic. You know, I failed my test. Ain. Evil eye. You know, my friend, she was just staring at me. Evil eye. Yes, Ain is haq. Yes, magic also happens. But not every sickness and failure is caused by evil eye and magic. Why we say such things? Because we want to take the blame off of ourselves. We don't want to take responsibility for our own failures. So we try to blame others. They have done this to me, they have done that to me, and because of this I'm suffering. Perhaps it is our own sins. because of which we are suffering. Perhaps it is our own negligence because of which we are suffering. So likewise, these people, they said, oh, you know what? Our gods have intended something evil for you. Qala, Hud said, inni ushhidu allaha. Indeed, I call Allah to witness. Washhadu. And you also bear witness. I make Allah a witness and I make you people a witness that anni, that indeed I, bari'un, I am absolved, I have nothing to do with mimma tushrikun, with that whom you associate. Meaning, I have nothing to do with your idols. Allah is my witness and I make you a witness also. I don't believe in your idols. I don't fear them at all. I don't fear them at all. Min dunihi, other than him. Meaning him, I fear. Allah, I fear. I believe in Him. I trust on Him. But your idols, I don't care. I don't fear them at all. To the point that, فَكِيدُونِي 
So go ahead and plot against me. From the word kaid. Plot against me. Jami'an. All together. ثُمَّ لَا تُنْظِرُونِ Then do not give me any respite. You think your idols have harmed me? You know what? I don't fear them at all. Go ahead. Call upon your idols. Ask them to hurt me. Ask them to harm me. Go ahead, all of you together, make a huge plan to harm me. I don't fear you. What does this show us about Hud How bold and confident he was. How he didn't fear their idols at all. But what happens if somebody tells us, you know, I think there's a jinn in your house. What happens? We don't even want to go into our house. We become weaker than the jinn. It's like we are nothing compared to that jinn. We lose our confidence completely. Hud believed in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala with certainty, with conviction. And the one who believes in Allah, whose aqidah tawheed is strong, then he doesn't fear others. That doesn't mean that he won't fear the snake and he won't fear you know, someone who's trying to hurt them. No, these fears are natural. But fears of, this might hurt me and that might do this to me. Such fears, they don't bother such a person. Why? Because he knows that nothing can harm him, nothing at all, unless Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala wills. And he knows that if he has taken refuge with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, if he has sought his protection, then Allah will protect him. And if any harm does happen to him, it's because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala allowed that. So this belief, this yaqeen, it makes a believer strong and confident and fearless and bold. Think about the Prophet ﷺ when he was in the cave. And remember the mushrikeen, they came right to the opening of the cave. And Abu Bakr anhu, he was so nervous, he started crying. And the Prophet ﷺ, he just said, لا تحزن إن الله معنا Why are you worried? Don't worry. Allah is with us. Allah is with us. Remember that occasion when a man, he came and he took the sword of the Prophet ﷺ about to assassinate him and he's like, who's going to protect you from me? And he said, Allah. Even at that time, he did not fear. He did not panic. But if a person's aqidah tawheed is weak, then he's afraid of jinn and he's afraid of anything and everything. They hear a horror story or a jinn story or they watch a movie or something and their iman, it just shrivels away. So always, whenever you're afraid, you hear a creepy sound, something weird happened in your house, just tell yourself, Allah is with me. Allah will protect me. Immediately seek refuge with Allah. أعوذ بكلمات الله التامات من شر ما خلق بسم الله الذي لا يضر مع اسمه شيء في الأرض ولا في السماء وهو السميع العليم Nothing at all can harm me. And if something harms me, that's something that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala allowed to happen. And I accept that. But otherwise, I'm not going to be freaking out at every step that I take. No, I'm going to be confident. I rely upon my Lord. So he said, مِن دُونِي فَكِيدُونِي جَمِيعًا ثُمَّ لَا تُنْظِرُونَ إِنِّي تَوَكَّلْتُ عَلَى اللَّهِ Indeed, I rely upon Allah, who is Rabbi, my Lord, وَرَبِّكُمْ and your Lord. Whether you believe in Him or not, He is still your Lord. And He has ultimate power. And He protects His servants. So I believe in Him, I trust on Him, I don't fear your gods. Threaten me with whatever you want. 
I don't fear them. I don't think they can harm me at all. Because the fact is that مَا مِن دَبَّتٍ There is no creature illa except هُوَ he Allah is أَخِذٌ One who holds, one who takes بِنَاصِيَتِهَا With its نَاصِيَةِ With its forelock. There is no creature except that Allah holds its forelock. What does it mean by نَاصِيَةِ نَاصِيَةِ is forehead. And Especially it's used for the hair which is in the front part of your head, the fore part of your head. So, you know like your bangs, okay? That's what? Your forelock. Now just imagine if somebody is holding you with your bangs. They've grabbed your bangs. Are you kind of in their control? Absolutely. Can you lift up your head? No. Can you turn right? No. Can you turn left? No. Can you run away? No. They have all control over you. They can hit you, they can hurt you, they can direct you in whatever direction they want to take you. I mean, you're basically under them. They have overtaken you. So when he said, مَا مِن دَبَّتٍ إِلَّا هُوَ آخِذٌ بِنَاصِيَتِهَا What is he clarifying over here? That it is only Allah who has complete authority and dominance over who? The entire creation. Every single creature is under Him. He rules over every single creature, big or small. One who believes in Him, and also one who doesn't believe in Him. One who turns to Him, and also one who turns away from Him. Every single creature... Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has full, complete hold and authority over them. Why is He saying this? To make clear to them that these gods whom you worship besides Allah, they've got no authority. Even they are under whose control? Allah's control. So why are you going to these weak and incapable beings? Why don't you turn to the one who is supreme authority, who really has power, he said, إِنَّ رَبِّي عَلَى صِرَاطِ مُسْتَقِيمٍ Indeed, my Lord, He is on the right way. What does He mean by that? When someone's on the right way, what does it mean? They are right. And another individual who's not on the right way, what does that mean? They are wrong. So what He's telling them is that my Lord is on the right way, meaning my Lord is right. And these gods whom you worship besides Allah, they're not right. They're wrong in every way, in every capacity. My Lord is on the right way, meaning He is just, He is fair. So anyone who seeks refuge and protection with Him, He will protect them because He is fair. And those who obey Him, those who follow Him, those who listen to Him, they will also be on the right way. So in other words, he's telling them that if you keep following these false gods of yours, you're not on the right way at all. You're on falsehood and you'll end up failing miserably. But if you follow Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, He is al-haq, al-haq. So you will also be on the truth and only then you can be successful. فَإِن تَوَلَّوْ But if you turn away, then remember, فَقَدْ أَبْلَغْتُكُمْ Then I have conveyed to you مَا أُرْسِلْتُ بِهِ إِلَيْكُمْ Whatever that I was sent with to you. Meaning, I have done my job. You don't want to believe? Your choice. You turn away? Your choice. 
I have done my job, now the ball is in your court. What do you do? I have conveyed the messages to you. And remember, that if you choose to disbelieve, وَيَسْتَخْلِفُ رَبِّي قَوْمًا غَيْرَكُمْ وَيَسْتَخْلِفُ And he will give succession. He will cause to succeed. Rabbi my Lord. Qawman to a people غَيْرَكُمْ who are other than you. Yastakhlif is from the root letters. Khalam fa. Khalifa from the same root. Istikhlaf is basically that, you know, when one generation goes away, dies, then another generation comes and takes their place. Or, for instance, you have a dishwasher that works really well, and then eventually a time comes when it stops working, so what do you do? You take it out and you put it by the curb, and then what do you do? You bring a new one. So, that was yastakhlif, meaning you got rid of the first one, and you brought a new one in its place. Now when the new one is brought, what value does the old one have? None. It's this garbage, which is why you go and put it by the curb. Anyone can come and take it. You don't need it. It doesn't have any value. Because you're not impressed by it. Even though it may be very shiny, and clean from the outside, and even inside, but if it doesn't work properly, you don't care for it. Even if you paid a lot of money to purchase it, to install it, if it doesn't work properly, it's as good as a garbage bag. Are you impressed by that dishwasher? That doesn't work properly? Are you impressed? By its uh, nice, beautiful features? Are you impressed? No. Does it have any value? Not at all. So what is he telling them over here? That if you choose to disbelieve, then remember that Allah has no need of you. He is not at all impressed by your material strength, your physical strength, your financial strength. He's not impressed. Because He gave you this money, He gave you this body, He gave you this life. What have you done? You did nothing. He's not impressed. Because what do we think sometimes? That oh, if someone can have so much money, so much power, they can have so much knowledge, and they've done so much in their life, they have made so many things, they have done so many things, how could Allah possibly be upset with them? And how could they ever be punished? Think about Fir'aun. Think about Fir'aun and his people. Did they not do a lot? Did they not make a lot? Did they not possess a lot of money? Yes. But what do we learn in the Qur'an? That all of these nations that Allah destroyed one after the other, وَلَا He doesn't fear its consequence. He didn't fear any consequences that what's going to happen. No. وَيَسْتَخْلِفُ رَبِّي قَوْمًا غَيْرَكُمْ Allah will replace you with a nation other than you. He's done it before. Look what happened to the people of Nuh. He can do the same thing to you also. وَلَا تَضُرُّونَهُ شَيْئًا And you cannot harm him anything at all. إِنَّ رَبِّي عَلَى كُلِّ شَيْءٍ حَفِيظٍ Indeed my Lord is over everything. حَفِيظٍ meaning a guardian. حَفِيظٍ a guardian. One who is watchful. One who is a guardian over everything and everyone. Whether they believe in him or they don't believe in him. He is a guardian over everything. And he's also a guardian over those who believe in him, over his messengers. So if you oppose his messenger, then of course Allah will execute revenge. وَلَمَّا جَاءَ أَمْرُنَا Then when our command came, meaning Allah's decision came. What decision? That these people have been given enough time, the message has been conveyed to them, the Prophet did whatever he could, Hud did his best to convey the message, but... These people 
their time is now come to an end what decision came then what is this amr referring to the amr of punishment najjayna hudan we saved hud walladhina amanu ma'ahu and those people who believed along with him meaning hud alayhisalam and those who believed in him they were saved bi rahmatin minna with special mercy from us meaning because of allah's special mercy the believers were rescued wanajaynahum and we saved them min adhabin ghalil from a harsh punishment ghalil from the root letters ghain lam za ghilza remember the word ghalil al qalb hmm? so adhabin ghalil is severe harsh punishment what kind of punishment was it that was sent on the people of ad the nation of hud alayhi salam do you know we learn about it in the quran In Surah Al-Haqqah, Ayah 628, we learn, وَأَمَّا عَادٌ فَأُهْلِكُوا بِرِيحٍ صَرْصَرٍ عَاتِيَةٍ As for Ad, they were destroyed by a screaming, violent wind. Screaming, loud, noisy, violent, very fierce wind. سَخَرَهَا عَلَيْهِمْ سَبَعَ لَيَالٍ وَثَمَانِيَةَ أَيَّامٍ حُسُومًا فَتَرَ الْقَوْمَ فِيهَا الصَّرْعَى كَأَنَّهُمْ أَعْجَازُ نَخْلٍ خَاوِيَةٍ This wind Allah imposed on them for seven nights and eight days in succession. Seven nights and eight days in succession, not a break, for a day or a night in the middle. So you would see the people there and fallen as if they were hollow trunks of palm trees. Why are they compared with palm trees? Because they were tall, huge. And just like that palm trees, they're tall. Have you ever seen a video of a twister moving? Or like a tornado moving? How quickly does a tornado travel? It travels up to 318 miles per hour. 318 miles per hour. Just imagine that speed. So think about, you know, when you go on the highway and the speed is how much? Maybe 100 kilometers, 120 kilometers. And even that's pretty fast, especially when you're learning how to drive. It kind of like scares you. And then you're going so fast and then there whizzes by you a person, perhaps going on 150, 160. Even that seems so fast. Now double that. Double that. And in your case, triple that. 300 plus miles an hour. Just imagine wind a twister that is moving so fast now you can imagine if it's going through a city how quickly it would move but you've seen pictures you've seen videos of the devastation that such a twister or a tornado can cause what happens to the houses what happens to their roofs what happens to those heavy heavy you know furniture and appliances that are inside the house what happens to cars what happens to trucks what happens to lorries you see them all turned upside down upside down everything and this is a tornado that has passed through a town within minutes now imagine these people they were punished with what a storm a wind that was also very noisy very fast very furious but it didn't blow on them for just 5 minutes for an hour for how long 7 nights and 8 days so that there was not even a single survivor not even a single survivor but those who believed they were saved 
In Surah Al-Dhariyat, Ayah 41-42 also we learn, وَفِي عَادٍ إِذْ أَرْسَلْنَا عَلَيْهِمُ الرِّيحَ الْعَقِيمُ مَا تَذَرُ مِنْ شَيْءٍ أَتَتْ عَلَيْهِ إِلَّا جَعَلَتْهُ كَالرَّمِيمُ That this wind, it left nothing of what it came upon, but that it made it like disintegrated ruins. Everything was like what? Disintegrated ruins. And this is what you see. The aftermath of a tornado or a twister, what do you see? You can't tell apart a door from a wall. You can't tell what was what. Things are just mixed up. There's wood, there's rubble. Everything's just mixed up. Disintegrated ruins. Watilkaad. Allah says, and that was Ad. Those mighty people, those strong people who were very proud, who weren't willing to do tawbah. What happened? Jahadu bi ayati rabbihim. They rejected the ayat of their Lord. And they disobeyed his messengers. How many messengers were sent to them? How many messengers were sent to the people of Ad? Whose name did we just learn about? Hud alayhi salam. Only one messenger. But what do we learn here? Rusul is plural. They disobeyed his messengers. It's plural. When only one messenger was sent to them, they rejected only him. Why is it said that they disobeyed all the messengers? Why? Because rejecting one messenger is like rejecting all of them. Disobeying one messenger is like disobeying all of them. وَاتَّبَعُوا Instead of following their prophet, who did they follow? وَاتَّبَعُوا And they followed Amra, the command of كُلِّ جَبَّارٍ عَنِيدٍ Every Jabbar, tyrant, that was also anid, obstinate. Jabbar is from the root letters jimbara, jabr. What does jabr mean? To force someone. Who can force? Someone who has power. Someone who has a very dominating personality. So they force people to do things even though they don't want to do it. They force people. So jabbar, mubalagha. Who is jabbar? oppressive, one of overwhelming power, the one who compels and forces the other, forcing people to do whatever he wants them to. He uses his force. He's dominant. Jabbar. Anid. Anid is from the root letters Ainun Dal. And Anada is to deliberately oppose the truth despite recognizing it. That a person sees, yeah, this is the right thing. This is the truth. But yet he opposes it. Like for example, who doesn't know that drugs are illegal, for example. Or like killing people at random just because you have a bias against them is something that's not allowed in the civil world. Who doesn't know that? Everyone's aware. But still, don't we have people who live in gangs and what do they do? What do they do? They oppose these values that all societies share, all countries share, all people share. So I need someone who sees the truth, recognizes it, but yet deliberately opposes it. Now what do we see here? The people of Ad were punished. Why? Because A, they denied the ayat of Allah. B, they disobeyed the messengers. And C, thirdly, they followed the wrong kind of people. They followed their elders, their leaders, who were Jabbar, who were Anid. Instead of following the messengers, they followed their oppressive, tyrannical leaders. Now you might say, well, they didn't really have a choice if they were being oppressed. 
That's how their society was. How could they oppose their leaders? If they dared to oppose them, they would be you know, persecuted. Like it happened at the time of the Prophet ﷺ. You heard about what happened to Bilal and so many other companions. As soon as they accepted Islam, what happened? The leaders that were Jabbar or Anid, people like Abu Lahab, people like Abu Jahl, did they spare them? No. They didn't spare them, they didn't leave them. They oppressed them a lot. So, I mean, why are the people being blamed for following the wrong type of people? Why? You see, a leader, he represents his people. Because he's one of them. He's one of them, right? He represents his people. His people are like him. A leader is like his people. Because you will only choose someone as your leader when you agree with them. When they have that support from you. I'm not just talking about you know, a place where there's democracy. Even otherwise, in general, who's chosen as a leader? Who's taken as a leader? Who? Someone who has some kind of support from his people, whether a lot or a little. He represents his people. So if they follow Jabbar or Anid, what does it show? What were they like? Jabbar or Anid also. When the Prophet ﷺ went to Ta'if, who did he speak to? The leaders. But who chased him out of the city? Who? Was it the leaders? No. It was the people of that city. They were committing this atrocity against the Prophet ﷺ, right? So they were very similar to the leaders. وَاتَّبَعُوا أَمْرَ كُلِّ جَبَّارٍ عَنِيدٍ Instead of following the messengers, they followed their worldly leaders. They supported them. And as a result, they were punished. How are they punished? وَأُتْبِعُوا And they were made to follow. فِي هَذِهِ الدُّنْيَا In this world, لَعْنَةً A curse. Meaning, Allah's curse was on them in this dunya. وَيَوْمَ الْقِيَامَةِ And also on the day of judgment. In this dunya they were punished. On the day of judgment, in the year after also, they will be punished. Allah unquestionably, in Adan kafaru rabbahum. Indeed, Aad, they disbelieved in their Lord. Allah bu'dan li Aadin. Away with Aad, qawmi Hud, the people of Hud. What does it mean by this bu'd? Bu'd is distant, to be far. So bu'dan li Aad, meaning may they be far removed from Allah's mercy, from His forgiveness. Away with. You know, it's like when you don't like someone, you don't want to see them, you're like, just get away from here. Go far away. بُعْدًا لِعَادٍ قَوْمِ Let's listen to the recitation of these verses. وَإِلَىٰ عَادٍ أَخَاهُمْ هُودًا قَالَ يَا قَوْمِ اعْبُدُوا اللَّهَ مَا لَكُمْ مِنْ إِلَٰهٍ إِنْ أَنْتُمْ إِلَّا مُفْتَرُونَ يَا قَوْمِ لَا أَسْأَلُكُمْ عَلَيْهِ أَجْرًا إِنْ أَجْرِيَ إِلَّا عَلَى الَّذِي فَطَرَنِي أَفَلَا تَعْقِلُونَ وَيَا قَوْمِ اسْتَغْفِرُوا رَبَّكُمْ ثُمَّ تُوبُوا يُرْسِلِ السَّمَاءَ عَلَيْكُمْ مِدْرَارًا 
يَزِدْكُمْ قُوَّةً إِلَى قُوَّتِكُمْ وَلَا تَتَوَلَّوْا مُجْرِمِينَ قَالُوا يَا هُودُ مَا جِئْتَنَا بِبَيِّنَةٍ وَمَا نَحْنُ بِتَارِكِي آلِهَتِنَا عَنْ قَوْلِكِ وَمَا نَحْنُ بِتَارِكِي آلِهَتِنَا عَنْ قَوْلِكَ وَمَا نَحْنُ لَكَ بِمُؤْمِنِينَ إِنَّ قُولُ إِلَّا اعْتَرَاكَ بَعْضُ آلِهَتِنَا بِسُوءٍ قَالَ إِنِّي أُشْهِدُ اللَّهَ وَاشْهَدُوا أَنِّي بَرِيءٌ تشركون من دونه فكيدوني جميعا ثم لا تنظرون إني توكلت على الله ربي وربكم ما من دابة إلا بناصيتها إن ربي على صراط مستقيم فإن تولوا فقد أبلغتكم ما أرسلت به إليكم ويستخلف ربي قوما غيركم ولا تضرونه شيئا إن ربي على كل شيء حفيظ ولما جاء أمرنا نجينا هودا والذين آمنوا معه برحمة ونجيناهم ونجيناهم من عذاب غليظ وتلك عاد جحدوا بآيات ربهم وعصوا رسله واتبعوا أمر كل جبار عنيد وَأُتْبِعُوا فِي هَذِهِ الدُّنْيَا لَعْنَةً وَيَوْمَ الْقِيَامَةِ أَلَا إِنَّ عَادًا كَفَرُوا رَبَّهُمْ أَلَا بُعْدًا لِعَادٍ قَوْمِهُمْ